It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets Antenna Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we have another summer edition of The Deciding Point, our podcast where we break down the countless results produced each and every week in the pro tennis world by players with college tennis ties, of course. There's a new batch of things to talk about every week, and while I know we have a lot to catch up on this week, from the podcast front here at Cracked Rackets, we will always make time for this show as it's one of my favorites that we do. And it gives me the opportunity to speak with our returning champion of returning champion, co-host of The Deciding Point, founder of the No Ad No Problem blog and podcast, weekly beat reporter for us here at Cracked Rackets, a man on the grounds at Stanford this week. It's our dear friend, John J. Parsons. Jay, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good. The summer is quickly ending. I'm starting to see players back on campus, and uh, it's a sad day when um, the summer is ending. But yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. It is crazy to think. I was looking at the calendar trying to... <laughs> it's not, I don't consider it a vacation. I consider it a must, which is... Every year, my club tennis buddies and I try to do a hitting weekend. It's one of the weekends I look forward to. We were trying to plan it out. And I was looking early October, early November, and those first weeks of each of those months, ITA All-Americans, ITA Fall Nats. And I was like, well, wait a second. College tennis is about to get rocking and rolling. So actually, how's early December sound for (laughs) you guys? Yeah, it's busy times in the tennis world. And obviously, with the pro tour here in North America. It makes things that much more busy here at Crack Rackets. It's what we live for. It's why we make time to do shows like these so we can divide everything into the proper segments, keep all of you listeners fully apprised on everything happening on all levels in the college tennis world. That means, and I, I'm going to be honest with you at the front, it's an admission of guilt. I refer to you as the returning champion of returning champions Colette Lewis is the returning champion of returning champions. I told her as much. I called you up by name. Uh, So, again, I always say if I'm going to talk about someone behind their back, I should say it to their face as well. This is me doing that here. She joins me to give a full recap, all things Kalamazoo, San Diego. We will talk about that here on today's show as well. But, look, Masters events, not just singles, doubles as well, challengers, ITFs. We're going to get into all of that here on today's show. I want to be kind with Jay's time. As I mentioned, he is on the grounds in Stanford. He's got to go watch more tennis. Light news section of the podcast today. I will say it was great, again, to get to chat with so many different coaches throughout the course of the week. I It was great to hear Colette's thoughts talking to all the coaches as well. We reflect on them in the show. Relatively slow news week. I will say Cyrus 
Mujab. I apologize if I butchered his last name pronunciation. Decommitting from Michigan, committing to Georgia. They need bodies. That's a good one to get. Clay Court finalist. I think he round of 16 or whatever it was at Kalamazoo this year. But the big note, Jay, tomorrow's a big day for tennis fans, particularly fans of American tennis, and oftentimes that intersects with a fandom of college tennis as well. U.S. Open wildcards, they're coming out tomorrow. You tweeted about it. Tell me your thoughts. What can fans expect? Well, it's always something I look forward to because typically not only does the American NCAA winner get the main draw wildcard, but you often see uh, current or recently you know, playing college tennis players receive qualifying wild cards. And so I'm looking forward to that this year. What I tweeted out was I looked, went and looked back at some of the wild cards that the USTA has given into qualifying. They've given 12 men's qualifying wild cards to players who competed in the past season of college tennis in the last four years. On the women's side, only one. So what I'm looking for tomorrow will be one, do any you know recent college players receive qualifying wild cards? And if so, is there still a discrepancy between the men and the women? It's an interesting thing to note, certainly. And yeah, you start to think of who would who are the players that would qualify. Elliot hasn't had the greatest series of events in terms of uh, series of success, excuse me, at the challenger level in singles. He did win a big event in Orlando, which is uh, one of those hidden wild card events. And I do wonder if he'll be on the radar. He was the number one guy in college. He had a fantastic season. Let the record show. Don't let this. He's also local, right? Yeah. He's from Greenwich. He trained at the USTA facility in New York. And so I think he's a guy who would be on the list. I wonder if Cannon, given the success he's had, he's a New York guy, if he would be on the list of qualifying wild card recipients. I mean, Ethan's getting a main draw wild card. He won NCAAs. Mickelson didn't go to college. He will be in the main draw at the U.S. Open. I feel like I can guarantee that. On the women's side, who well, qualifies? Just on, like, who well, are just the names? On, yeah, well, just on the men's side for a second, and typically what you see is either a – what can qualify you for one of these wild cards? Typically, it's either a very deep run in a challenger, either in the spring or the summer, or a title. Off, you know, has yeah. to be a 25k title. And so, historically, you've seen Elliot Spaziri receive the wild card after winning the 25k in Illinois in 2021. You saw the same thing for Murphy Cassone last year, winning a 25k. So, I think for me, there's three men's names um, that I'd be looking for in qualifying. One, we already talked about in Elliot Spaziri for the reasons we mentioned. Second, Cannon Kingsley for his deep run in the, se- to the semifinal of the Challenger this summer, as well as being local. And then last. And this is a uh, a hipster pick, but would be Quinn Van de Castile of Ooh. Oregon. If we go by precedent, there he too has won a twenty five k this summer, and um, you know as did did Murphy last year. Now, respectively, they had different uh, college seasons. Uh, Murphy Casone, the you know ITA Rookie of the Year, Quinn Van de Castile played two for Oregon, but. Uh, he would be my sleeper pick for a uh, men's wild card into the qualifying. We've talked about him a lot and his SoCal success, his success across the board this summer. I like that pick. On the women's side, again, Feng Tian likely not getting one. It's not going to go to sleep. She's Canadian. Um, I mean, Crawley, Brodus, Brantmeyer, I think we'll see get a qualifying wild card. 
Obviously, Catherine Huey is going to be at Stanford. She'll get one for making the final of San Diego. I, I, I mean, who are the names? Who are you thinking, Jay? Well, I think there's two other names that you missed With the there. disclaimer, by the way, again, it's likely going to be American. Yeah, it's going to be all Americans. The two names you didn't mention there are Mary Stoyana of sure. Texas A&M. She's had the best summer, I would say, um, given her results at the 60K and the 100K level. And then the last one is Maddie Sieg of USC. Of Americans, she went the farthest in the NCAA singles tournament and has had has played a very full summer. Um, you know, players like Fiona Crawley, we haven't seen that much on the Pro Tour. Um, so that might be a little bit tougher. Alana Smith? Doubles wild card? Well, that's the other one you always look to see, right? What do we do on doubles, you know, and do you both start Carolina to pick... teams? What do you mean? Do you put do you think both Carolina teams get wild cards in the end? No. Just the winners, just uh <laughs> Yes. I mean, okay. Yeah, but no, but the thing you have to look for is what do you do with the Americans who played with a non American player, right? You sure. look at um, you know, James Trotter and Andrew Luchonic. I don't think Luchonic is healthy. But typically, they may pair them in mixed doubles or something like that. So, um, why not just give the wild card straight up to Schneider and Smith? Who loses in that scenario? Um, I don't think anyone. I think Schneider has enough of a cult following in the media, at least, that it would be a well received wild card. And so, anyways, yeah, it, it'll be fun to monitor. We'll know the choices tomorrow. We will update all of you on those choices next week. Let's move on to our results because, again, lots happened, of course, in the tennis world this past week. You had, I would say, a significant run for a couple of men in Masters events. So that's where I want to start on the ATP side of things. I mean, if you watched Mackie McDonald in college, first of all, he walked in having beaten Stevie Johnson in qualifying in Cincinnati right before his freshman season. So just built into the hype. He ultimately goes on to win a singles and doubles title in the same season. I'm not going to do the 2014 UCLA rant, Jay. Don't worry. I see an apprehensive look on your face. But Mackie's been a guy who's been in the top 100 now for the majority of the past two, two and a half years. We've seen him make a final at the City Open, you know, play really good ball on his way to doing so. And, you know, this past week makes a quarterfinal uh, in Cincinnati, uh, in, excuse me, in Canada. And, you know, in doing so for Mackie up to a new career high, number 20, uh, excuse me, number 43 in the rankings, gets a really good win over Andre Rublev, beats a home favorite in Rayanich. It's a really good week uh, for Mackie McDonald, and I just think, again, another top 50 guy. It's him who won an NCAA singles title. J.J. Wolf was ranked number one. Shelton won an NCAA singles title. If you're the, uh, someone described it again this summer, and this is how I will describe it moving forward. If you win NCAAs, that's like winning a challenger. And Mackie McDonald won a challenger coming out of college tennis. It's not shocking, but it is still notable when this happens. Well, and also he he didn't win that event two years ago. I mean, that was a long time ago at sure. this point, not to date ourselves. <laughs> but it's been great to see Mackie in particular rebound from so many injuries that he has had and to have such a career milestone at a Masters 1000 when he's you know in the you know, middle to later part of his career, no longer in that college age range. So great to see an incredible ball striker. Uh, so when he's you know, hitting hitting his spots, he can beat anybody. 
Yeah, a quick surface in particular. Yeah, I, exactly. He just his ability to move forward, use his speed so well. It's always a pleasure to watch. And then, look, another UCLA guy coming off of injuries. Marcos Giron has sustained. You know, he's going to qualify for that ATP pension. I think he's going to hit three years consecutively in the ATP top seventy-five, and he reaches a round of sixteen here. Alex Vukic, who continues to have a spectacular summer, he reaches the round of sixteen here, and. You know, again, just very quietly, Alex Vukic right now, he's sitting at 49 in the live rankings. Alex Vukic is a top 50 player. He started his career at five singles, as did Ben Shelton. Maybe that's the magic number. You either want to start at one or you want to start at five. Um, uh, You just don't take those things for granted. Shelton gets a much-needed win in round number one and goes on to beat Chris Eubanks first round here in Cincinnati, so he's starting to find his rhythm it's been a good week for the guys on the ATP Tour in singles. And then you had an all-masters final of college guys in doubles. And I was looking it up today. There are 37 top 100 guys right now in the ATP top 100 of the doubles rankings with college tennis ties. We're going to talk a lot more Tulsa now that my former high school coach is the assistant there. Shout out Josh Molino. Aravelo, he, he and uh, Roger ultimately win the title over Ram and Salisbury. You know, again, both those guys, Tulsa, UCLA, respectively, Rom, uh, Illinois, Salisbury, Memphis. Don't take it for granted. It's a pathway in multiple ways. And you're winning master's titles and doubles. You're getting good paychecks. You're living a life. And so it's a shout out to college as a pathway to the pros that you see a result like this. Any thoughts? Well, I'm just waiting to see who will help clinch the calendar slam in men's doubles this year for former collegians. We have one slam left. We've gone four in a row, and now we're looking for the calendar slam. I'm going Rajiv and Joe. I think they're going to get this done at the Open one more time. Um, All right. Let's move over to the challenger side of things because, truth be told, I I mean, I should say actually on the WTA side while we're talking doubles – you got to give a shout out at the uh, in Canada. I forget. I think they were in Montreal on the women's yep. side. Uh, you got to give a shout out to Shibahara, who of course wins the title, thirteen uh, eleven in the breaker. She's playing Krychek, uh, excuse me, in the final. Those are two of the top twelve doubles players, I believe, right now in the world. And yeah, I think Desiree Krychek is at eight. Yeah, she's obviously Arizona State. Ina Shibahara out of UCLA, fifteen. Good week for UCLA. By the way, Mackie, uh, Roger, Giron, Shibahara. Don't take that for granted either. Two top 15. You know, or right now, there are four of the top 20 players in the WTA Tour. Top 20 doubles rankings have college tennis ties. Excuse me, five. Good math, Alex. Uh, I missed almost at 20, and that counts. And right now, you look, there are 16 of the top 100 have college tennis ties. A bunch, right? Three North Carolina players in the top 125 as well, who are right on the precipice of it. It's a pathway to the pros. Um, that said, you ready to move on to the challengers? Yep. All right, let's talk ATP challenger results. Big week in carry for Adam Walton, whether it's him taking his first singles title at the challenger level, reaching the finals as well with former t- uh, Tennessee guy Michael, I think, I'm always, Mikhail, I'm going to butcher his last name. What what do you go with? I'm gonna put this on you. <laughs> well, I know I butchered it last week, so this is your week to butcher it. It's a life. Just go with right. I think someone said it on a pod. Hunter Reese did, and I'm blanking on it right now. That's how you know I've been on the road for a while. Um, 
Anyways, makes the doubles final as well. Uh, Nicolas Moreno de Alberon, who of course went to UC Santa Barbara, reaches the final, getting knocked out by Walton in singles. Uh, you had Evan King, Reese Stalder, who are, by the way, both top 100 doubles players right now. They win the doubles title uh, over Walton and Leibetis. Sorry, it's going to bother me. Anyways, uh, Kipson semifinals, Rinky quarterfinals. Rinky's right on the precipice of the top 100. Knock it on the door. He's getting into U.S. Open qualifying for sure. Good week in carry, Jay. Yeah, well, I don't want to gloss over. I mean, Adam Walton's first challenger win. He's just a little bit removed from being a year on tour, right? He was part of the 2022 year, making, what, the semifinals there, losing to Ben Shelton in the NCAA singles tournament, a top three guy all season. So for him to now be, you know, cracking the top 200, I believe, today with his win in Stanford, a phenomenal achievement for him. And we haven't discussed, you know, Nicholas Moreno de Alboron, who's now up to top 130 in the world in the live rankings. This was someone who played at UCSB, you know, in the the late 2010s, I think graduated in 2019, uh, you know, certainly a, a top player out of, you know, the Big West Conference and an All-American in his senior season, but not someone that was a top 10 or a top five guy consistently in college. So for him to continue to make progress, and it wasn't too long ago, I was looking back at these qualifying wild cards that he was receiving qualifying wild cards into the US Open. Um, and now he is well within his own ranking. Yeah, no, he's the 20th highest ranking of any player with college ties in the ATP singles rankings. You mentioned it, top 140 in the world. And yeah, right now in the live rankings, he's sitting at 130. After his win in Stanford, it's incredible to see. And, you know, it's it's hilarious who's right by him. 132, Gabe Diallo. 133, Alex Mickelson. It's like, he, again, they had the pedigree. He did not. And to see his continued journey across surfaces, not just hard courts, he's done it in so many different places. Uh, it's remarkably impressive. And it's a stark reminder that you got to pay attention to all levels of college tennis because there are guys like that across the country and uh it's a credit to him his persistence his development a shout out to nicholas moreno de alberon in the doubles theme on the challenger level connie fronson now a top 100 doubles player in the world made another challenger semi-final diego hidalgo made a final roberto sit a semi-final in doubles that's all i got at the challenger level you want to talk women's itf yeah all right, give me the top line results, Jay, because there were a lot of events, including obviously that 100K in Landisville. Yeah, so we can start there. I think um, one player we've already mentioned here, Mary Stoyana, making the quarterfinals there at the 100K. She's a rising junior at Texas A&M. So for her to have the summer she has, uh, hopefully she'll get rewarded with a U.S. Open qualifying wild card because she's really had a breakout mm-hmm. summer. Another player who makes the semifinals there in Landisville is McKenna Jones, formerly of North Carolina. We've discussed her doubles results with former NCAA singles champion Jamie Loeb. McKenna Jones up to about 250 in the live rankings after this result in Landisville, and she is um, she's had a really great summer as well. Yeah, uh, absolutely, and you know again. You mentioned Mary Soyana. All right, I'm going to do the tangent now. I was going to save it for later when we got to San Diego, but it's just time. I was talking about this with Colette as well. Obviously, coming back to college tennis next year. We're doing it already, Jay. You ready for some 2024 talk? Okay. All right. You look at UNC. 
They bring back everyone. They add a Rabman as well. On paper, they should be the unequivocal 98 Stanford equivalent, 4041. They're crushing everyone. I was in San Diego this week. You add Catherine Huey. You add Elena Yu to a team that is already bringing back Blake, Blokina, Shu, Yepafinova, and Ma. I mean, that seven is just ridiculous. Colette mentioned A&M as a third ridiculous team that just make it a little less, you know, much more, un- less un- uh, much less unequivocal as it relates to North Carolina. You see the summer Stoyan is having. Do they belong on that list as well in your mind? I think they do. I mean, there was someone on this podcast who was talking Here about how crazy go. the UNC pod will be when we preview them in the top 10. There was someone else that was saying, well, I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's exactly what I was alluding to, right? There are other teams that have a ton of talent coming in. And in particular, you look at Texas A&M, the summer story on has had is arguably the best of any collegiate player this summer. And she only bringing- lost like twice last year. Right, exactly. And she had a disappointing NCAA, so I think some of that gets glossed over. But yeah, she had an incredible sophomore campaign. You know, Texas A&M is bringing in Nicole Kieran from Texas, who played number one. You know, they're bringing in the French Open uh, junior champion, or did she make the finals? I think she made the finals. One of the two. Yeah, Yeah, I think she made the finals. I think finals, yeah. Yeah. they're also so then they're loaded. Um, they're you know returning Cooperus, you know, at who's had a great Smetanikoff, summer as well. Morales, yep. And I, I think they still have an open scholarship, so mm-hmm. you know, we'll see if they bring in anyone else. I don't think they need to to be on this tier, but certainly they could. So, um, they've continued to bring in just very heavyweight recruiting classes, and I expect. That will not change. I hadn't done the AM thought exercise yet. It really is three juggernauts. Oh my God. Like that is, that's a really fun race. And yeah, I mean, I saw Smetanikov play in San Diego. She is going to do well next season, much as she did in her freshman campaign. And yeah, okay. It's a three headed monster. That's why I wanted to ask. I just hadn't done the thought exercise. And I think the listeners will appreciate that as well, just to realize how loaded these teams are. And I'm making a mental note now, like, okay, make sure you do your research before you submit your top. It's almost time for us to do our preseason top tens. It's, I know. Well, each yeah. year you get a little bit later and later, and then you're like, hey, this week we need to do like four in a week. But yeah, I mean, it's tough because we you talk about that, right? You remember, you know, Salma Ewing becoming like a November, December surprise, right? It's really tough to do these rankings legitimately when there are rumors and un, you don't know who, what the roster is going to look like come January. Yeah, no, very well said. But as you mentioned, McKenna Jones, semifinalist, Mary Stoyana, quarterfinalist in singles, uh, doubles, shout out to Yulia Startup Seva. I know it was a walkover in the final, but she and Sophie Chang do take the title. Uh, so again, that's the 100K in Landisville. Give me what else happened, Jay. I know there were a couple other title runs. Yeah, and one of the biggest title runs was at the 80K, 80K in Brazil. Lulu Sun, former Texas Longhorn, wins the largest title of her career. She's up to a career high of 187 in the live rankings. You'll remember Lulu Sun as the clinching winner for Texas in 2021 over the Pepperdine Waves to give Texas their first NCAA title of their back-to-back run. So 
a really awesome week for her um and by far the largest title of her career she'd only won uh up to a 25k uh to date yeah 189 in the rankings coming into the week it's impressive two top 200 players on that texas roster that's what it took to win the ncaa championship that year uh that 2021 season will always be one I remember very fondly because that was or that was the best of Orlando is having those night matches Pepperdine just night after night after night that was a delight um and so yeah it was also those. the best of Orlando because we had 16 teams there yeah <laughs> all right carry on what else happened this <laughs> week uh well those were my big notes on the ITF side for for the women uh I think those were the the big notes and singles. Yeah, I had Hartono semifinal at the 25K in Roehampton just because I thought otherwise it was a pretty light week. I, I it, agree. It was, and that's, I feel like, not a very notable result for Hartono, who was... Well, I know. think the reason why I bring up some of those other things is players are returning to campus. Players are getting ready to go back to school. Like, this is a week where maybe if you're playing New York, you go back to campus, get a mm-hmm. couple training weeks in, start to get ready to rock and roll because college tennis fall will be upon us before we know it. Like, isn't that a fair theory? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, you see a few, like, I saw, like, India Houghton of Stanford is out in Monastir, and I'm like, ah, but she's on the quarter system, so, you know, <laughs> they don't go back for another month. Uh, but, yeah, we'll start to see a lot of players return, and we'll also start to question who is returning, who isn't returning, and that will be a conversation for a different pod. Yeah, no, it soon will become summer, summer edition of the Deciding Point out preseason edition of the deciding point in and so mm-hmm. again we only have a few weeks left of this itf men's results what did you notice jay I, I know we had a couple of title winners yeah a couple of title winners uh jack pennington jones of tcu wins the roehampton 25k this you know british circuit that they have there is always littered with college tennis players whether it's um johannes monday or you know, toby samuel but jpj gets the win there this is his first title for him since he enrolled at tcu in his second 25k title you know, he came in with a top 500 atp ranking to tcu last season his freshman year and you know maybe didn't have the results some were expecting he played a little bit lower in the lineup than maybe ex- expected, but it's great to see him have results this summer. Yeah, it was a good week for Captain Jack. Uh, I know we also had a first title for Chris Rodash, right? We did, yeah, in uh, in the deep state of Mississippi. Uh, he had quite the like, collegiate run. You know, he knocks out Tyler Stice, um, Axel Neff, uh, Andy Andrade. Uh, but yeah, he wins his first 25K title, his second pro title in his career. And uh, he's now up to a career high of top 600 in the world. Um, so a really good summer for Chris Rodash. He's continued to play uh, week in, week out, and um, is rewarded here uh, with a 25K title. If he can get to top 400 and he still has a few more months to go, maybe sneaks into some challengers, you're just in a really good spot coming out of college because you don't have to go right to the futures. You've built yourself up some points and maybe you can go play challengers coming fresh out of school assuming the plan for now is still to go back and again i would imagine that still is um yeah he's had an incredible pro summer just again it's the sort of success you expect from a guy who semi ncaa's was the number one player on an ncaa championship winning team yeah and it's great to see him you know continue to play this summer yeah. i will give a shout out to the accelerator program chris rodesh has not utilized all of his 
slots uh, this summer. So I anticipate he'll use some of those slots during the U.S. swing, uh, which, to your point, will then continue to pad his ranking. It's very likely if they do the accelerator program again next year, he will end end in the top 20. Therefore, when he is ready to turn pro, he will not only have more or less, you know, six months of pro results, but he can then utilize the full um, full slot of his accelerator entries. I also, I also have breaking news and hold on to your table here, Jay. I'm pretty sure Chris Rodash is going to get a wild card into the Charlottesville Challenger. I'm just going to report oh. that now here on the oh. show. Yeah, I know. I okay. know. Hold on to the table. Wow. Um, but yeah, we're going to feel comfortable reporting that now. Um, but you mentioned it. Andrade, Andres Martin, semifinalist there. Michael Zhang, quarterfinalist. Shout out AJ Cantanzariti. Good to see his name. I should have mentioned Roehampton, Jub, semifinalist. Toby, uh, Toby Samuel, quarterfinalist as well, because Toby continues to have a pretty good summer. Um, and again, we'll be in the mix, top five, probably highest ranked players coming into next college season at South Carolina. Um, just always worth noting. I had two Baylor bears to point out as well. Adrian Boyton, uh, who wins a 15 K title. I also had Jakob Schneider, who I saw made a final as well at a 15 K in Frankfurt. So those are the two Baylor bears I would add anyone else or any thoughts. Is Jakob Schneider a Baylor Bear? Or is he Wake Forest? Am I? He's can, Wake Forest. Yeah, yeah. Did I yeah, say you're Baylor? confusing yeah, your. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we bring in all these, you know, tra- transfers from all yeah. over the place colleges. Um, but both of those finals were actually all former or former yeah. or current collegiate finals. So Adrian Boyton um, beats Radu Papu of mm-hmm. Cornell, and then um, Schneider loses to Lucas Gurch of Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, this shows you where my brain is right now. Um, and this is why we had to, I had to have Jay on the show today. I have Evan Zhu semifinals of a 25K. <laughs> I have Julio Perego semifinals of a 15K. I had Hamish Stewart just because I was like, oh, I haven't said Hamish Stewart's name in a while. He made a quarterfinal at a 25K. And then what was my last one? Oh, and Luca Wiedemann, a uh, quarterfinal at a 15K. So those are the other ones. You got anything for me? Any thoughts? Yeah, I have one that is better than all of those, uh, <laughs> okay, which are like pretty perfunctory results for a lot of these guys on the Pro Tour. Um, but I have uh, Etienne Donnet of Louisville, uh, who makes the finals of the 15K in Monastir. That's his first 15K final uh, on the Pro Tour. And I had that tab moved one over. That was the other one I missed. Well said by you, Jay. Um, yeah, and again, it's everywhere. Uh, all these guys can go on to the ITF tour, have success. We've seen that all summer long. Nice to add a couple more titles here in the mix at the end of these summer editions of the Deciding Point. Last results I want to go over with you are the boys and girls Nats. Uh, let's start with where we had a college champion. Lerner Tien goes back to back at Kalamazoo. Only four guys have done it this century. Svida, who's been top 300 in the world. Jack Sock was top 100. Donald Young was top 100. Now you have Lerner Tien as well. Dropped, what, one set, I think, against Darwin Blanche in the quarterfinals. That was it. And, you know, again, for Lerner, not only did he win it last year, finals junior Australia, quarters junior French Open. Now he wins Kalamazoo as well. It's an incredible accomplishment. 
Yeah, it's an incredible accomplishment. It's always surprising to be reminded he's still only 17 years old, yeah. uh, despite everything that he has accomplished. You know, surprising for Zach Vida to go back to back and skip a year, right? He was young in that stretch as well. So uh, an incredible accomplishment for him. You know, he will make uh, his return to the U.S. Open main draw again this year. Yeah, and by the way, again, to see him, to see Cooper Williams, um, who I think made semis or quarters mm-hmm. of Junior Wimbledon, semis, right? Oh, semis right. of Wimbledon and semis of Kalamazoo. Yeah, um, before getting knocked out by Lerner. Um, he's headed to Harvard. They lost Harry Walker. That was really it. He slots in. Colette thinks he is going to perform very well in college tennis. He is one you have to watch. You know, I wasn't on the ground as much there, so I didn't get to ask the coaches who the darlings were. I did ask Colette that question. Should we cover it all in uh, our recap? Nishesh makes semifinals. I think he won the doubles as well. If Right? Did he win the doubles? No. no uh, we lost. had I, – I, I don't know the name, but someone who's going to Cornell this okay. fall. Um, and I, the person they were partnering with is a rising senior, so not yet um, committed. But, yeah, no, they upset uh, – uh, Nishash. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those are the big headlines on the women's side. And I talked about this earlier. Elena Yu's energy is going to be so perfect for college tennis because she gets after it in the best way. She's fiery in the best way. She's like, she just finds a way to win points. Like the, her backhand up the line is good, but she is just scrappy. Catherine Huey beats her in three in the finals. They're both going to Stanford this year uh, in the semifinals, excuse me, to make the final. Uh, uh, I think hers is a little bit more traditional power, stepping into the baseline, taking the ball line, a little bit more comfortable moving forward, but she can grind as well. And you add those two to the core again of Ma, Yepafanova, Blake, Blokina, Shu. Yes, they lose Sarah Choi, but... God, is this team going to be very, very good next year? Valerie Glosman, who's going to Stanford the year after she makes the semifinals and was unbelievable in her quarterfinal win over uh, over Valerie Osigwe. Tatum Evans is UNC bound. It fits. The forehand technique is funky, but her game just works. Brant Meyer makes quarters. I thought she looked good. There are a couple of other prospects who I talked about with Colette who are just have me very excited about the future of American tennis. But that was my headline from San Diego. Oh, and that Piper Charney, who's going to Michigan, makes the quarterfinals. She's very good. She will be ready, and she won't be asked to play high in the lineup because that Michigan team brings back everyone but Serdan, and that is a piece they will very much enjoy adding to the mix. Yeah, that's, I mean, again, that's my synopsis. Those are my headlines. Anything to add? Well, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. Is Eliana Yu a Daria Freeman San Diego specialist? It's a good theory to posit. No, because she's number one in her class. And like, okay, maybe, but but if you make, uh, you go title semifinals of that event where there hasn't been a back-to-back champion since, Spoiler alert, Stanford's Laura Granville in 98-99. I don't care if it's at the same location. You have to beat some serious freaking players to do that. And to watch her beat Kavia Lopez in three sets, who, by the way, I love Kavia Lopez's game. Flora is going to be very good. 
next season because they bring back a lot of pieces as well. And to add her into the mix, that was already a fun team. Make them that much more fun in my mind. Elena, you just found ways to win. Like she, if she plays six next year, which I don't know if the, is that's going to be the case because boy is Catherine was, very good uh, as well. One of those seven players that you listed is sitting. I know. And I was thinking, can you sit Valerie Shue after the success she's had? Like, you can't, right? Well, well Valencia. Valencia, uh, Shane. Thank you. Uh, I mean, yeah. It'd be really tough. They're very good. They're, oh, how about this? We just play seven deep next year. No one has to bench anyone. And we just say, you know what? We're going to play all seven singles. Because um, that team is that good. Uh, like uh, They're all very, very good. And I don't know how you deny you a spot in the lineup because her energy just belongs in college tennis. Like she gets fired up. She'll let the teammates hear it. And I think Stanford could use a dose of that next year and she would provide it perfectly. But again, they got options. It's, it's, it's the best choice while also being the worst choice to have to make. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were a lot of. Uh, and by the way, they have to make it the next year because Glosman replaces Blake, and it's still a it's the same choice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Those are my twenty twenty five favorites. Lock it in now. Mm-hmm. I apologize. I didn't mean to cut you off. Any final thoughts? No, I mean, yeah, you know, these are really special tournaments on the the, the U.S. calendar. Uh, I think the Kalamazoo, I'm curious, I'm looking forward to hearing your podcast with Colette. I think the Kalamazoo uh, field is pretty weak these past few years, and I'm curious to hear how that will translate over these next few years, or maybe we were just spoiled by, you know, the the Fritz Paul, uh, you know, Tiafo era. But yeah, we'll have to see. Um, I will also say there were a few absences on the women's side that I'm hoping were due to injuries and not skipping like it'd be like Liv Havdi hasn't played the event in the last two years um you know uh Eva Jovic didn't play she was out due to injury that part of the pot I'll spoil but I don't want to step on this Jay we get into all of that like that exact thought if you think I don't whenever I have Colette on as an excuse to talk about 1415 that I'm not going to do it Spoiler here, I did it in the first four minutes. Like, <laughs> I laughed at myself. I was like, all right, I'm just going to say it now because I, that's always the question is give me the context of the fields. And I think the women's field is one of those. Like, All right, I'm going to do it for this pod just because she needs the love. Christina Lutova is crazy good, Jay. 13 years old, wins 16's clays, wins this event in 16. She won the 12 Orange Bowl last year. Her backhand's ridiculous. Like, it's just like, come on now. How old are you? Um, and like Jessica Pareja, I, this is where this podcast uh, will make sense, this comparison on this podcast. She's Katarina Jokic, but 14. And it's just like crazy. Um, and it was, it, it's just, it made me feel very confident about the Anita 2 was excellent. Um but There's these are really all 16s good. players, so you're kind of saying that there is sort of this. No, but I can goal. keep going. Tatum Evans, uh, Victoria Osigwe, Reese versus Catherine was a great match. Um, Elena versus Cavio was a great match. I didn't get to see Rabman play, but her and Cavio went three, and that's the best match. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see. Claire V's ridiculous. 
ridiculous. But she's not coming to college. But Claire V's so good. Oh, my God. Um, Jovic was injured. We didn't get to see Havdi. I was upset about that as well because I just I haven't gotten to see her play in person. Claire V's so good. Oh, my God. It's crazy. It's it's really – like I know I'm prone to how hyperbole. Many, how, many top, how, how many top 100 – how many top 100 future pros played San Diego this year? Across the two? I mean, I'm going to be stupid and say Lutova's on the list with – No, uh, like just know. girls 18. Girls okay. 18. Okay. Claire VS. I have to think. Again, I – I really like Kavia's game. So I'm going to throw her on the list. I said with Kled, I think the number was three. That I think there were three on there. Oh, and then, I'm I'm sorry, I didn't say you earlier. I'm a believer in Reese. I just think her serve, her forehand, her ability to play on her terms. That's why I said, I think we're going to get at least three. And that's not to write off any of the sta- – oh, and I like Valerie Glossman's game a lot, too. Two hands on both sides, but she can drive the ball. She's clever. She competes so well. Well, it I sounds like you I, and three's a good number. All right. Well, it sounds like you and Cleck get into it, so I won't step on yeah, any more toes. But let's I'm looking just forward remember, to hearing it. Tommy, Francis, and Taylor are all top 13 in the world. Like, that was – yeah. You know what? I'm not going to step on it. Um, but I remember it fondly as well. Talk to me about the week ahead. You're in Stanford. I know that's a big one. Joint WTA ATP event. My guy, Rob Werner, on the call. Talk to me about what you've seen. Talk to me about what else is happening. Well, certainly in vein of you know former collegiate players on the Pro Tour. I mean, last night was quite the spectacle. You had 2010 and 2011 NCAA champions back-to-back. Steve Johnson, Bradley Klon competing and there. 2010, 2011, and 2012. Sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah, it couldn't help yes. it. Carry true, on. True, true. Um, the reason I called out 2011 because he won that title on the Stanford courts of which he was competing uh, last night. But yeah, I mean, just a ton of names um, all, all over the place. Uh, also on the women's side, you had Diana Schneider competing here this week. A lot of the Stanford players, uh, Angelica Blake, took a set off of, you know, top 80 player in the world, um, Rakamova. So been a really fun event there. Uh, I think we are starting to see some of the events dwindle because um, the qualifying for the U.S. Open starts next week. So a lot of players uh, getting prepared for that. But that's the big one I'm focused on. Of course, you have Cincinnati where we have our you know players that we've talked about at the top. You have the J.J. Wolf, the Peyton Stearns playing in their hometown event. Super fun to see Peyton Stearns and Emma Navarro, the 2021 and 2022 singles champions, uh, teaming up in doubles in Cincinnati. So uh, a lot of good action in the U.S. Again, you mentioned at the top, but this is the U.S. hardcourt swing. Uh, it's all all eyes here. Yeah, at Stanford, Cincinnati. I think that's going to be where we lead next week's show, barring any massive commitment or coaching news. And there are a few assistant jobs out there. But, yeah, other than that, it's a good time to watch tennis. Enjoy it. Obviously, enjoy these final few weeks of the summer as well. Of course, we will be here to keep you up to date on everything happening in the tennis world, particularly as it relates to those with college tennis ties. Any no-ad, no-problem plugs you have for us, Jay, before I wrap this show? Uh, I have a few things I'm recording this week uh, that I'm looking forward to. You're in the lab? I'm in the lab. You know, it's hard. It's really hard when you're doing this like on-site stuff. And um, but yeah, I got a few things coming out, some news about the 2024 season we can look forward to. Um, Yeah. All right. I like to hear it. Well, as always. Cooking some things. 
Yeah, no, I like to hear it as always. A shout out to Jay for joining us. A shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job he does day in, day out. With all that said, for the fantastic John J. Parsons, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Jay, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.